Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. 2022, uh, the year of confidence. And Satan is working overtime to try to get you to lose your confidence in God. I have a number of things, but I feel a little prophetic this morning. Uh, I greet all of the E-Church all, all around the world. Um, thank you for tuning in. Out of all the places you could tune in, you're tuning into us, and we're so grateful for that. But I want to say this, that um, I'm not really sure, and even I think typically we have our believers meeting shortly after our Daniel's fast. And, and I'm, I'm sure then I won't be any, I won't be at, at, the, at the end of this journey God had me on. And so I don't want to stand here because I don't believe any preacher standing in the pulpit today know exactly what the church is going to look like post-pandemic. But I do know this that those who will embrace the old wineskins and refuse to embrace a new wineskin to receive this fresh new wine that God is endeavoring to release. I, I don't believe they will be around much longer. Can I just be myself for a second? I've been pressing in, my wife can attest, so strong these past few, really past few months, a year or so, because I've been asking God to, to, to help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that post-pandemic Harvest Church will still be in existence. And it would be arrogance of me as a leader to think that I can do whatever I want to do and we will still be here. Now, when I say still be here, you can physically be here but not relevant. And I am concerned because the things that are so, have been so vitally important to baby boomers, Generation X and the millennials and whatever other alphabet that we have today, by and large, they don't care about anything that we care about. They don't care even about mega churches. And so there's, we all are, not there, we all are a little uncomfortable right now. Because what does church gathering mean now? Because the messages that you preached to me 
before the pandemic, uh, those messages won't work now. I need to know something from God that it helped me in the condition that I'm in now. Because there are things all of us are dealing with now that we've never had to face. We never had to face in our lifetime that coming to church could be a death sentence. That sitting next to the wrong person blowing the wrong breath on you could be a death sentence. And so now we're in church all masked up. And the way you look now, not many days ago, if you walk down the street with a mask on, the police would pull you over. For the mere fact you're masked up, they automatically think you're up to no good. Walking in a store with a mask on, you must have in mind of robbing the 7-Eleven. And now we're in the house of God. All masked up. Saying amen at the top of your lungs and the preacher can barely hear you. I'm asking you to give God a greater praise and you're giving him all you got with your mask on, but I, I can't feel it. Strange day. And in this strangeness, there are people we haven't seen anymore. I believe last Wednesday I made the comment, get connected. Because people who are not connected don't do well. So I'm going to say it again today. If you're not connected, get connected. I've come to discover that people who are not connected, they don't do well. They become delusional instead of disciples. They get strange. They become the counselor unto themselves and every man is right in his own eyes. But it's in the multitude of this counsel that, that we, find, we find safety. It is in this place that what you think you heard from God that you come to the place where the church gathers and get confirmations and direction. Hope and strength and inspiration. And you cannot make it without it because that's God's design. And for you to think that you can make it without God's design is delusional. Oh, Jesus. Can we say amen? And so this year of confidence, 2022, I've been ministering on cultivating and how to cultivate confidence. Confidence. Confidence simply faith or belief. I'm going to go ahead and start where I left off Wednesday for the sake of time. Turn, if you would, to our foundational text and verse. Go to Romans chapter, chapter number four. Romans chapter And let's look together at verse number 21 again. Romans 4, 21. 
ready, read. And being what? And being fully convinced, go ahead. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was well able, faithful to bring it to pass. Who is this that is fully persuaded? This is Abraham. This is Abraham. Romans 4, verse 21. This is Apostle Paul talking about uh, the father of the faith, Abraham. And he says in Romans 4, 21, what did he say? He, he had become, he's what? He's fully persuaded. So the question becomes today, with all of this craziness that's going on in the world, are you fully persuaded today that God is who he says he is? Because the world is saying he is not. And some folks are saying this, this religious, this God stuff, this Bible stuff is a fairy tale. And some people who you may know who was once walking with God that are not walking with God anymore will tell you, I tried it and it doesn't work. And if you meditate too long on what they're saying to you, it will cause you to waver because you're not really fully convinced. Some people during the pandemic, they have backslidden. They have backslidden because they were not really fully convinced. And it took the pandemic to reveal to them they were not anchored like they thought they were. And so in verse 21, it says that Abraham was fully persuaded. That God who had promised he was well able to bring it to pass. I mean, that's good, isn't it? That's, that's shouting ground. But he didn't start out there. Paul is talking about Abraham after he had gone through the process. But he didn't start out fully persuaded. Ooh, Jesus. Are, are you all with me today? In Genesis, you don't necessarily need to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 12, uh, Abraham was uh, 75 years old. He, he, was, he, was, he was 75 years old when God gave him a promise. God came to Abraham at 75 years old and gave him a promise that he was going to bless him with a son, that he was going to be a father of many nations. Well, if he's going to be a father of many nations, his wife Sarah, who was named uh, Sarai, who was changed to Sarah, she would be a mother of many nations. So in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old, and God talks to him and tells him that he's going to bless him and make him amen, a great nation. That the time will come, those who will bless you, I'll bless them. And those who try to curse you, I'll curse them. I'm going to raise you up and make your name great. Glory to God. At 75. 
I said at 75. Genesis 12. We jump over to Genesis chapter 16. And Abraham is 86 years old. And still no child. And you struggling because God promised you something and that happened in a month. God gave him a promise at 75. Now he's 86. And he still doesn't have the promised child. Now I'm clear he wasn't fully persuaded because the Bible lets us know we don't have time to get into it. But study it out in your study time that his wife came to him and said, well, I know God said what he said to you, honey. But but maybe he's going to bring the blessing another way. I mean, he told you at 75, you 86. And if you 86, I'm 76. And then his wife, you know, began to do like a lot of wives do, uh, trying to help. And she told Abraham, Abram at the time, she said, honey, uh, that pretty little handmaiden that's been looking at you, that serves me, maybe God is wanting you to go into her and permit her to have a baby for us. Now, when you study this out, you're going to discover that uh, Sarah didn't have to uh, do a lot of persuasion. As a matter of fact, she only had to tell him one time. So it's clear he didn't look over there and say, oh, no, 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 we're going to wait on You, you all know the story. So Genesis 12, God makes him a promise. He's 75. In Genesis 16, Abraham has Ishmael. Because when we refuse to wait on God, we always produce an Ishmael. I don't care how pretty it looks. Still an Ishmael. And I don't care if you try to pronounce the blessing on him. It won't work because that's not the one that God has appointed. Oh, Jesus. Somebody may be dealing with an Ishmael right now, and God's talking to you. Because Ishmael always show up before Isaac. And Ishmael always looks like what you you like. Oh, Jesus. Sometimes Ishmael looks more like what you like than the promise. Ooh, Jesus. Because the promise you have to take by faith. Ishmael, you take by sight and emotions. Girl, you just don't know how fine he is. Ishmael or no Ishmael, I'm, I'm, that's mine. Three weeks later, pastor, I'm sorry. But let's move on. That's not my message today. We're talking about confidence. So Genesis 15, uh, it tells us there is a process. Are you in? Go back to Genesis 15. 
Go back to Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15 tells us that there's a process by which Abraham became fully persuaded. Yes? I said yes? So there is a process. That was our nugget number four. There is a process by which we gain this conviction or confidence. Look at Genesis 15. Look at verse number one. After these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, A-B-R-A-M, in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Look, look, look at this. Look at this. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me? Why does the Lord have to tell him what he will give him? He, he's asking for the Lord to give him something. Why? He's not fully convinced yet. That it will happen just on the word alone. In other words, I heard what you said, God, but give me some visual evidence. Could God have mercy. And to get the promise, you have to get to a place where you don't need visible evidence. It is then and only then that you are fully convinced. And when you get to that place, you snatch the power out of the devil's hands to deceive you. Because when you don't need evidence to believe God, the devil don't have an avenue towards you. I'm going to say it again. When you don't need evidence to obey God, you have just nullified the devil's ability to deceive you. Because the devil can only deceive you with evidence. Lying evidence. But if you don't need evidence, just a word only, the devil's avenue into your life is shut off. Hallelujah. Come on, say it. I don't have to see it. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Come on, put your hands together. Don't patty cake. Do it right. In your home, put your hands together. Come on, we're all together in this. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus. Oh, Jesus. I, I, want, I want to read on. Lord, what will you give me? He, he's asking for some visible, touchable, seeable, smellable evidence. In other words, God, I heard what you said. But I'm struggling with this doubt that's in my soul. Oh, God. Abraham is saying, 
I've done what you told me to do. In Genesis 12, God spoke to Abraham. He said, leave your family. Leave your mama, your daddy, your cousins, your uncles, your family. And take up your stuff and go to a place that I will show you. So when Abram went home and told his wife, we're leaving, she asked him the question like all women do, honey, come, honey, come on, come on, lady, honey, where are we going? I don't know. But God said he had a place for us. Well, what direction are we to go? I don't know. But I believe every step I take, Every move I make, it'll be in the perfect will of God. Yes, so let's go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he left out of obedience to God. Now he's struggling because God has promised him a son. And you got to realize when God promised Abraham a son, uh, Abraham couldn't go to CVS and get some Viagra. They didn't carry it in their local drugstore. And even if they carried Viagra, uh, Sarah, her womb was dead. You better hear me today. Because God doesn't care about a dead womb if you get a fresh word from Almighty God. Somebody better grab a hold of this. When Abram got this word from God that his, he and his wife were going to have a child, Sarah's room was already dead. But the God that we serve, he is well able to make a dead womb come alive again. He's also well able to move in on your dead situation and cause life to spring forth. God loves situations that you think are dead because he is still in the resurrection business. Good God of mercy. Preach, boy, preach. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? What, what? Sounds like Abraham is saying, okay, God, I heard the promise. I'm 75, I'm, I'm 86, I'm 90 years old, what's up? Some of you, you're not saying out of your mouth, but in your heart, you're looking toward heaven, doing this consecration, saying, God, what's up? I've done what I believe you told me to do, and I'm still not married, what's, what's up? I've seen people get married who I thought were better looking than me. And I've seen some people get married that I thought was, <clears throat> what's up? What, what, what's up? I've seen skinny people get married. I've seen pleasingly plump people get married. And God, I'm kind of in the middle. What's up? I've done what you told me to do. I've seen people on my job that I trained. And now they're my boss. God, what's up? 
Ain't nobody saying nothing but me today, but, but God, what's up? I've done what you told me to do. I've moved where you told me to move. And two years later, I'm still struggling. I've done what I believe you told me to do. I'm where I believe you told me to go. And four years later, I'm still struggling. Preach, boy, preach. I left where you told me to leave. I arrived where I believe you told me to go. I changed what I believe you told me to change. I let some people go that I believe you told me to let go of. And five years later, come on, talk to me. Come on, talk to me. I'm still struggling. Oh, Jesus. The word on the street is that if you want your life to get better out there at Harvest Church, man, they're teaching and preaching the uncompromising word. They got people in there who came on welfare, and now they're living large. And bless God, you told me to go, and I've been there now seven years. And, and, and still, still, on this side, Still struggling. Making all these confessions. Pastor and Hatters turn around and I don't know how many services, seven times. And come on. Still struggling. What's up? I've seen people that you use me to bring to this ministry and their lives just take off and pass me. God, somebody, somebody's arms over here. What's, what's up with this? That's Abram. I'm minding my own business. I graduate from college. I go to Bible college. I graduate. You tell me to go to a city that I've never been. And I don't know nobody. I don't know north, south, east, or west. Thought I had a job waiting on me. The Eastern Airline, by the time I got to that city, they filed bankruptcy closed and left Kansas City. And I still came like you told me to. I pulled in this city, got me an apartment, and don't even have money to pay the rent. They put a notice on my door, an eviction notice. At Brywood's Apartments off of 63rd Street, right behind Price Choppers, when they were brand new apartments. Go check it out. I come home after going out looking for a job, and they got an eviction notice on the door. And I'm in your will. I'm in a city, and I don't know nobody. God, what's up? I start the church and very few people are coming. I put on a conference and only one person show up in the city that you told me to go to. I can't get any help from anybody. I don't know anybody. And just like Abram, when you called him away from his family and from a city that he was raised in to go to a land that I will show you, I got up from Bible college and came to a land that I knew not of called Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, 
and I'm in your perfect will driving these old piece of cars and they got a notice on my door of eviction. God, what's up? People are talking about me and laughing at me. Guy out there on 350 Highway preaching faith and prosperity. They're laughing at me because I'm connected to Dad Hagen. I'm connected to Apostle Price. And they're calling me a cult leader. And this ministry is a cult. God, what's up with that? All I do is preach the Bible. We rank in the top 2% of all church buildings that mention the name of Jesus. Every service. What's up with that, God? How can you send me to a city and then people who say they are Christians call me anything other than a child of God? Good God of mercy. God, God, what's, what's up with that? I'm here and I'm struggling. The financial responsibility of the church, I'm paying for it out of my own pocket. I'm putting more in the offering than everybody in the church. And I still do today. 30-something years later, we still do today. What's up with that? Don't feel sorry. Because I said that. Because it was obedience at that time that produced what we're experiencing today. Because we ain't struggling no more. Because we were found faithful with the little. I was faithfully tithing when it was just $10 a week. When it was just $100 a week. We didn't start out right here. There's no more notices on the door. The, the house is paid for. Are you listening to me? But it didn't start out there. It started out way back here. When I didn't see nothing. Didn't sense anything. And folks talking crazy. And it looked better and easier to quit than to keep pressing in. It looked like what God said at the time was a lie. So I rejoice, ooh, Jesus, I rejoice that you're here and I rejoice that you've tuned in. But I remember a time when I came to church and there was nobody in the room but me and my family. And I taught my heart out to kids who didn't even know what I was saying. But the word was getting in their spirits. Ooh, Jesus. Are you all listening to me? So some of you may be saying that today. I really, Pastor, I really believe I've done all that God has told me to do. I believe I am where he told me to be. I believe I'm engaged in what he told me to be engaged in. But I, we are still paycheck to paycheck struggling. I mean, things look good outwardly, Pastor, but it's tight. 
People look at what we have and think we got it going on, but they just don't know how we can't afford to sneeze. Thank God I'm in a church where the preacher believes that the COVID will not take one member out of this church because we can't afford. Things are tight. In some cases, struggling. What's up, God? Is this helping anybody at all? What's up? I remember the devil jumped on my shoulder and said to me, it's like I'm talking to you. The reason things aren't working with the church, you're on the wrong side of the border. You, you can, he can talk to me that way because I don't, I don't know the right side of the border. You know, I, I didn't know state line was another border. And so he told me the reason things aren't working is that uh, you're on the wrong side of the border. And uh, everywhere I would go, people would be talking to me about going to Overland Park. I didn't know what, Overland who? Over the park, Overland Park, Johnson County. Johnson, what county am I in? You're in Jackson. And you're saying I need to go to Johnson? Really? Yeah, that's where you need to go, man. You got better schools and everything else. That's what he's telling me when I got here. <laughs> See, uh, in those early stages, it's easy to get uh, seduced off track. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not fully persuaded yet. I'm still finding my way. I'm still trying to learn the city. I'm still feeling my way, and the devil knows it. So the devil says, uh, it'll work if you go on the other side. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Look how it didn't work staying where I was supposed to stay. Are you all listening to me? And that's how he talks to you. And the reason he was talking to me that way, Mother Hampton, is because I wasn't fully persuaded yet. That's why I was entertaining his suggestions. <laughs> okay, you don't believe me? Try to talk bad about me to a, pa- to a member who know I'm their pastor. Try it. See how far you get. Try it. In the hallway, y'all know how y'all go in the hallway in the park, parking lot? Or call each other and, you know, and go, go, go to Golden Corral. Sit across the table from a member who know I'm their pastor and try to talk bad about me and my family. See how far you get. See how, how long you have an audience. <laughs> Why? Because they're fully convinced that that man has been sent by God to be my pastor. They have the revelation. They know it. That, that, that's, a different, that's a different person. And that they didn't just get there. That, that was a, over a projected period of time where the revelation unfolded. And they began to see who I really am of God in their lives. And they'll shut you down if you try to disconnect them. Ooh, ain't nobody saying nothing but my wife and I. Is, is, is this good? Is this, is this helping anybody at all? I got to where I am today through knowing how to cultivate confidence in God. Maybe we won't get any further. But how did I get from where I told you of getting a notice on my door 
and driving uh, a Chrysler Newport, a 1973 Chrysler Newport. Any of y'all know a Chrysler? Okay. Uh, that particular car is probably half the size of this room. You could, you could, move, you could move people with, with the back seat in the trunk. I mean, it was a boat. Yeah, you listen to me? I mean, if I went across the intersection, you had to wait a while for all of me to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. In 1986. And then I had this little white Toyota, a white with blue interior. No air conditioning. Clean as a pin because I don't ride around nothing dirty. Because if I don't take care of a car, I can't take care of a house. And if I can't take care of a house, I can't take care of a church. So if my car is dirty, my house will be dirty. And if my house is dirty, the church will be dirty. Because I'll be desensitized to dirt. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Are you listening to me? In 1986. How, how did I get there? So I went to get a job. I got a job working at Colgate Palmolive in Kansas City, Kansas, making long money, long. In 1986, I'm talking about $25, $30 an hour, long money. That when I put in my resignation, preachers that worked there came to my division who I didn't even know but heard about this preacher who was leaving Colgate Palmolive to pastor church. And I told the preacher, I said, I didn't come here for money. I came to pastor church. And before I was there a good year, God said, this is your last day. I'll never forget it. I wanted to say, devil, you a lie. Making this kind of money. You know, I didn't got, you know, where I'm getting a little headway. The church's not doing much of anything, but, but, you know, at least my family's eating. And, you know, no more notices on my door. I can take care of my responsibilities. And God, you're telling me that today's my last day and a few days from now is going to be Christmas. And if I leave now when you're telling me to leave, I'm going to forfeit my Christmas bonus. God was checking my heart to see if I could be bought. Because if you can be bought, Satan will always find your price. So I had to settle the money issue. That's why Harvest Church is a debt-free ministry. That didn't just happen. The, the, the confidence and the character and the commitment that was necessary for us to be a debt-free ministry was developed in that process. And I believe God that if I take care of God's people, that God will always put me on the hearts of some people to make sure we're fine. And they have. Can somebody say amen? That's why I'm so grateful. Every time we get a card at Christmas time, I don't take it. Ask my wife. I read every one and bless the people who, who, who think enough of us to, 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 to give us a card. That, that means that we're on your mind. And during the pandemic, it was extra special. Because we were not able to convene like we normally did in the past. But many of you still didn't forget us. Hallelujah. I want to shout all by myself. Yeah. 
Haven't seen some people face to face for six months or seven months or a year, a year and a half, and they still gave us a card. That's why you saw me read it this year like you didn't see me read it several times because it was special this time. Because nobody gave one this time who didn't mean it. Because if they needed an excuse, they had one with the pandemic. And some cashed in on it. Oh, God. Let's let's close now. How much time do I have? They say my time is gone. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. So how did I get here today? How did I get to a place of cultivating this confidence where I absolutely just flat out believe God? That during a pandemic, I had the audacity to stand in the pulpit and stretch forth my hands and declare that not one member in this church would lose their lives to COVID-19. And other preachers thought I was out of my mind to say something like that with a church of this size. Pastor Help, I, I mean, I believe you, man, but... Man, you got too many folks. That, that don't make sense. What, what, what's it going to look like if somebody died? I said, ain't nobody going to die. Yeah, Pastor How I hear what you're saying, brother. I'm, I'm not being disrespectful, but, but wonder if somebody died. I said, nobody's going to die. And the third time they said, Pastor How man, I know you, man. We all know you hear from God. But, man, this, this thing is taking people out left and right. Pastors are bearing people every week. Man, if you say that in front of your church, what are you going to do if one of... You said nobody's going to die. You said not one of your members are going to die to COVID-19. But wonder, Pastor, how if one of them die, I said not one of them are going to die. Good Jesus. Good news. We had one member that had COVID. They thought he was going to die. They put him on the respirator. The doctors lost faith in it. His wife called me. I said he will live and not die. She texted me back and said, Pastor, I know you're a man of faith, but I said he will live and not die. And today he's at home with his family. Confidence. Being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. And I am fully persuaded that you will live and not die to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So how did I get to where I am today? I'm glad you asked. We'll deal with that the next time we come together. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.